really when it comes down to it, podcasting just changed my life. It made me a different person, like legitimately. And so I knew I wanted to start a company around podcasting because I knew if it could have that impact on me, it could do that for so many more people. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. If you're listening to this right now, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you're pretty into this whole podcasting thing. But a lot of people aren't. In fact, we're actually probably in the minority for this one. My guest today has doubled down on podcasting, not only as a medium, but also as a foundation for growing great businesses. And he's been experimenting with this medium for quite a while now. In 2014, he co-founded Startup Mixtape, a curated list of the best business podcast episodes out there, all organized by topic. Since then, he's now co-founded Lemon Pie, a full-service podcasting company. Since then, he's gone on to co-found Lemon Pie, a full-service podcast company. And throughout the rest of this conversation, you'll hear him refer to his company as Be My Guest, and they have since rebranded and are now called Lemon Pie. So just a heads up. Joining me live today is Eric Jacobson. Thanks a lot for joining me today, Eric. Absolutely. Thanks, Stuart. Appreciate it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so tons, there's going to be a pretty meta episode, I think, because, I mean, just the nature of the business. But a lot of the questions I'm going to have today are around, like, what tactically should people in marketing, yes, but also just people in business be thinking about. This is kind of like the cowboy days of radio where you could just set up shop and spread your message and sometimes people listen and sometimes people don't. Since then, he's gone on to co-found Lemon Pie, a full-service podcast company. And throughout the rest of this conversation, you'll hear him refer to his company as Be My Guest, and they have since rebranded and are now called Lemon Pie. So just a heads up. People come with varying degrees of familiarity with podcasting, but what's been interesting is Since we started Be My Guest about three and a half years ago, the conversation is almost entirely, okay, I've heard of podcasting. I'm pretty confident we should be doing something with it. We just aren't sure how to start. And that's the conversation happening now. Three years ago, half of the conversations were like, I don't even know what podcasting is. And so it's been really cool just having those sort of uh, subjective data points just from conversations I've been having. And, And yeah, looking forward to diving in. We can we can talk high level and and also get super detailed as well. I'm sure that's been just so cool for you to be part of a market coming to maturity. What were some of the biggest lessons you learned from getting startup mixtape off the ground? So how it kind of transpired was I was working a job I hated and I traveled a ton. This was in the early 2010s, so 2010, 2011, 2012. And I just started devouring podcasts. The very first one I ever listened to, just by chance, serendipitously, was Travis Kalanick, his interview with Jason Calacanis on This Week in Startups. And uh, Jason said he thought Uber would be a $1 billion company. And this was like crazy talk. And it was like kind of just getting started. And it was just crazy kind of seeing him, him 
have one of those early days interviews to what it is now. And I just fell in love with it. I learned more with podcasting than I did in business school from any teacher I've ever had. And I knew I wanted to get involved. So I, I quit my job and I started the newsletter. And then I also started pitching really big podcasters that I could help them. So I pitched Tim Ferriss. I pitched Jason Calacanis, a bunch of others, and was able to actually get some, some projects with them. And so I was doing that while starting this curation service sort of newsletter media site and just sort of learning, like seeing what, what was going on in the industry, figuring out what sort of business model I, I thought I could have with it and did that for a couple of years and, and then really started seeing how authors or people launching a, a new product or service would be going on dozens and dozens and dozens of podcasts and doing interviews on them. Just by nature of me paying attention to a lot of different shows, I would see that. And I was just thinking to myself, this is not happening by chance. They are proactively doing this. Started looking around, didn't see many PR agencies or any other sort of marketing firms doing much in the way of focusing on this. And, and that's what led me to start Be My Guest, just seeing that opportunity to help CEOs and founders put that proactive strategy of getting interviewed on podcasts together. What was your original pitch back in the day? Like, what were you trying to help them with? The kind of insight that I had back then was there's just so much gold locked up in this audio. I would listen to a two and a half hour long or three hour long Tim Ferriss show episode and just get so much out of it, but I'm driving or what have you. And I'm like, I'm not really able to take notes. The show notes on his website were pretty slim. And I wanted more material written down somewhere for this. So the pitch was, I spent about 20 to 30 hours putting together from one of his episodes, a really curated like blog post almost of what that episode's content was, the, the best information from it. So better than a transcript, but not written like in prose, but what the actual information was. And I tweeted it to him. So I, I spent a bunch of time on it. I just tweeted it to him and said, hey, I think, uh, I think your audience would love this and, and I'll do it for free. And he dug it. He thought it was super cool. We started communicating. And I did that with a bunch of other podcasters as well. And that's what it was. It was just repurposing their, their podcast content into written sort of like blog posts, curated notes style. We were going to do that for a lot of Tim's episodes and do sort of an ebook, but it actually ended up turning into his book, Tools of Titans, if you remember that back in the day. So yeah, I had a, a small piece in, in helping with that. Obviously, he's got a much bigger team and a whole bunch of people involved in that, but it was cool to kind of see the, the maturity of that initial spark of an idea that I had turn into a bunch of projects with podcasters I, I really respected. And I'm a huge fan of his. Like he was probably one of the first podcasts I started listening to that got me hooked. And having read Tools of Titans, I was like, oh yeah, I've listened to a lot of these people on the episodes, but I don't remember all this information. So it's so true. Yep. It's like you can listen to an hour and a half long thing, so many insights of whatever you need at that moment. And then going back and reading it is such a different experience that it doesn't even matter if it's the same content. It just hits a different nerve by virtue of going through your ears or going through your eyes. Like it's a t totally different experience. Yep. And that's, that's exactly what my personal experience was. And I, and I just had a hunch that other people had that sort of same pain point. I, d I actually realized that the pain point wasn't as high as something that would allow for me to make that the full business. I think I could have, but it just, 
it was a nice to have. It wasn't like solving enough of a problem is what I ultimately realized. And that's when I started down the road of the podcast agency. Understanding the pain points in any new emerging industry is where growth happens. Any emerging industry is developing micro industries in its wake. We're going to chat about that in a little bit. But first, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about why you think podcast is a unique medium compared to other distribution channels. So there's a lot of reasons, but the main one is the means by which it is consumed. So most other forms of media or content are done in a way where you have to be very focused on that thing that's in front of you. Whether you're reading a blog post, you have to be sitting there and actually like reading with your eyes and, and not doing anything else. If you're watching a video, it's, it's the same thing. The beautiful thing about podcasting is that it can be done passively when people are doing other things that would no other content is able to reach them at that time. So like you can't read while you're driving. You can't watch a video while you're driving. So this is essentially found time. Like this is time that was previously unaccounted for. Yes, audiobooks existed and some people listen to them, but primarily it was accounted for with music. What's happening now is a lot of people, 100 million people per week listen to podcasts now every single week. They're doing that because they want to be informed or entertained during these times of their day that otherwise would really just be music or talking on the phone or something like that. And so it's really, it, that's really the, the foundation that podcasting is built on. It's on demand and it can go anywhere you go that previously you were unable to watch or read or do any sort of content that you would do at home or at work. And so that, that's really the, the nugget that podcasting is built on. Yeah, I love that idea of found time. It's so true because it's a passive medium that you can do no matter where you are or what you're doing, as long as you're anywhere that listening to music with headphones in is socially acceptable, which isn't everything now. Like you can do anything you want with your phones in and no one will bat an eye. So it's even evolved since like AirPods have come out like a couple of years ago. It's, I see it just, it's, you're allowed to have AirPods in 80% of your day now. That cannot be overstated. What you just said, 2016, I believe AirPods came out and they sold roughly like 16 million units. And this year, 2020, I believe it's estimated that they're going to sell 100 million pairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge deal with the rise of podcasting. One thing I was thinking about in like 2015, 2014, when I was getting started in all this is like, is podcasting even going to be here in five years? I was kind of worried about it. I was like, this is kind of a, a fringe thing. I don't really know. And now it's just, it, there's no question in my mind that this essentially is going to be the equivalent of like what Netflix is, like on-demand TV, mm -hmm. basically. And, and AirPods and car technology and, pot, and podcast apps and Apple now, now finally cares about podcasting where they kind of were just like, yeah, we, we're propping the whole industry up, but we don't really pay attention to it. Yeah. Spotify, smart speakers. Smart speakers. Like all of these things are, are converging right now for this to just be an amazing time for podcasting. I, I think it's really early days, honestly, for where this is going to go.
what gave you the confidence or what was the opportunity that you saw to start Be My Guest? Really, when it comes down to it, well, from the high level perspective, podcasting just changed my life. It made me a different person, like legitimately. And so I, I, I knew I wanted to start a company around podcasting because I knew if it could have that impact on me, it could do that for so many more people and likely was. With Be My Guest specifically, and the podcast tour service that we started with, we do more things now, but all we started with back then was the podcast tour, which is where we were helping CEOs and founders get interviewed on other podcasts. The thing that I liked about it, I didn't know if I could do it. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought it was a great strategy and didn't see anybody else really putting it together. The reason why I liked it over starting with podcast production is, which we do offer now, but we didn't start there, is that the audiences were already built, you know, for, for our clients. And, so, and, the, and the podcasters had a need to find interesting people to talk to that were relevant to the industry or, or the topics that they talked about. And so I thought that the pairing of those would be something that I would be able to figure out how to make those connections. And it was a lightweight ask for both sides. So the client didn't have to spend what they might perceive as a lot of time to figure out how to start their own podcast. And they would just simply need to be a really good guest for an hour on someone else's show. And then the host, you know, ideally if I, if I was able to get good clients, which I was, would have a really great expert to share and teach their listeners. And so I just thought that it was actually a pretty low risk test to see if I could pull off. And I was able to ultimately um, versus figuring out all the moving pieces of production or any other sort of like mm -hmm. complex business model, starting a podcast network or all these different things that could work, but they had a lot more moving parts. This, this felt very straightforward to me. And then just figuring out how to be the best at it was, was, ultimately, was ultimately the challenge, but we were able to achieve that. And by starting with such a specific problem as part of a greater category, you were able to actually get good at it. And then yep. once you proved yourself, then you just said, Hey, look, I also offer these things now to yep. existing clients. And that's, that's kind of the best way to start a company is you have to start niche and then you can expand. You might have this huge grand vision, but you have to start small, small, small. Yeah. And like, as time goes on, the vision gets bigger and more clear, but like, I think it's just so critical to not, I don't know. Everybody's different. But for me, I just wanted to take things in very short term chunks and not feel like I have to have this entire manifesto for what this company is going to look like in five years, you know, day one. And looking back, it's I'm glad I didn't because opportunities present themselves along the way. And and as things start working and we double down and, and push even harder the vision expands and changes and gets bigger, but it also gets more concrete as time goes on. And I just think it's having like those, the very strict parameters from the beginning of what you want to set out to build might box you in a little bit too much. Switching gears a little bit. So we, we've hear from a lot of people, both in the marketing world and outside the marketing world, just saying that every company needs to have a podcast and we're seeing really successful ones happening. We're seeing not so successful ones happening. What are some of the common mistakes that you've noticed that let's say a, a, 
a company branded podcast mm-hmm. or one that's meant to encourage revenue generating activities, what are the, the common mistakes that you see get it when uh, they get them started? The biggest mistake I see is focusing on sort of an arbitrary goal of how many listeners or subscribers we want to have to the show because subscribers does not actually equate to the ROI of what the podcast can do to transform your business. There are so many, and we can talk about some of the use cases that we use and think about for podcasting outside of just having a like big listenership, you know, of, Hey, I want 10,000 people listening to the show. And our assertion is like, do you really want 10,000 people or do you want whatever sort of sales or marketing goals you have that lead to actual results and revenue. And it may actually not be 10,000 people. It may only be 500 people. But if you use the podcast in the right way, the listenership is, is honestly just icing on the cake. Most people focus on the listenership. We actually focus on all the other use cases and the listenership is just icing on the cake. So just from a fundamental, what do we want this podcast to achieve? I would say that is the, the biggest sort of error and not in a negative sense, but just sort of like a, a misalignment on what the goal of the podcast can actually be and do for you. So who should be in on that conversation at a company that's trying to get one off the ground? There's going to be the person who takes ownership of putting the time in or outsourcing it but needing to maintain that relationship. Who else should be in on that conversation to make sure there's alignment from what you said of like the vanity metrics of usership or listenership compared to actual incoming inbound leads? Totally. Usually this will live with the person who will kind of be responsible for running it. It's typically someone on the marketing team. It can be somebody on the sales team, but I think the best team to put together for this is the sales team, marketing, and then like one of the founders or, or the CEO. And it could just be, you know, one person from each group. And the reason for that is this is such an amazing tool for sales and marketing outside of the listenership that the sales team can actually, in the same way that the sales team loves having case studies, you know, that they can use when they're talking to prospects, the sales team can actually coordinate with the marketing team and say, hey, These are the top 10 objections we get every time we get on a call with a prospect. Is there some way we can have guests who are in the same industry and in the same roles as our ideal prospects and you talk with them about how they are solving and overcoming those objections, whether by using our product or some other similar product or solution. And then they can use those clips or those episodes as assets, as sales assets during conversations. And anytime they come up against that objection, hey, we actually, yeah, let me talk to you about it. But we also talked to, you know, Susie at a company just like yours on our podcast. And she talked about that exact same problem and how she overcame it. Here's a three minute clip on her talking about it and just email it to him after the call. And, and that builds trust and helps kind of overcome these objections. So that's a sales use case. And then marketing, aside from just the listenership, Podcasts are one of the best ways to sort of be able to create content at scale. So if you're doing content marketing, one way that we think about this is the podcast is the central sort of nucleus of that. And one episode turns into a transcript, which then turns into three articles, 
which then turns into 30 pieces of content on LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram. And it was all created from the host and the guest having a 30 minute conversation. You don't have to open up a blank Google doc and just sort of like figure out what you're going to write today. And, and so we love that because it sort of creates itself, you know, not to diminish the actual pieces of like writing the articles and, and figuring out what the, the tweets and things are going to be, but you, you have a basis to start from. And that's what we really love with the repurposing of these episodes that can live outside of just audio. Kind of the, to, to flip what we just talked about, what are some objections that we, that you hear from leadership about starting a podcast? Like, I think the marketing and salespeople are pretty excited about it. They understand like it's not, it's not their company on the line necessarily if they're not the founder. So now a founder has to, like, if they don't, if they've never been in the public eye or if they never kind of spoken out about their company, this is a, this is a big deal for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd say the two things are time commitment and how do we actually know it's working? So a lot of levers that are pulled in, in marketing and sales, you know, can be attributed. Whether if you're doing online ads, you know what the what clicks are and what your cost per click is and cost per acquisition is. And, and it can all be very quantitative. Podcasting can sometimes be challenging, honestly, to capture sort of what the attribution is. Like people will listen to these oftentimes you know, as we just talked about in their car or like walking the dog or at the gym. And so they may not use the code or URL that you want them to go to. They may just remember your company name and, and just type into Google and then click it and it falls into your direct bucket in Google Analytics. So you don't know where they came from, but they actually came from the podcast ecosystem. So how we sort of think about that is the best way, honestly, is, is to simply just ask on the phone. Like, where did you hear about us? Where did it come through? And they'll likely say the podcast, but the two things that I mentioned for sales and marketing, those are proactive uses of podcasting. So it's not hoping that someone finds your podcast and then contacts you or signs up. It's you proactively using the content on offense so that you can know that actually it actually built the trust that we needed to close the deal. And that has literally happened with, with clients of ours multiple times. So it's, it's sort of the proactive use case versus the passive. But with the passive, it is very attributable if you get on the phone with folks and, and have to talk to them. So I would say that is honestly the biggest sort of pain point is like how much time is involved to do this and how are we going to be able to see the ROI of it? I'd never thought about that second point you have of proactively turning that audio into content because that's still a podcast, that insight or that, that objection or that funny comment or that great quote wouldn't have come organically had you sat at a blank Google Doc. So that was a podcast output that turned into a attributable click in your analytics somewhere that you could actually say, Yes, it came through online, but that content or that picture or that video was generated through a podcasting activity. 100%. And it doesn't just have to be a quote from like the interview. It could be an insight that is just so much like every interview will have at least, you know, let's say three insights. 
And that could just be the starting point for your marketing team or content team to then sort of craft a message around that, that was originated and to your point generated from the podcast, but it's not just regurgitating the same information. It's just using that as the sort of the creative catalyst to then power all your content. It also is a really good excuse to have your CEO speak about the company. Like how often do you get a one-on-one meeting with your CEO? And so if you allow them to just talk freely, they probably have such a different vision of what the company is going to be like in five years than anyone else in the business. So what a better way to have them talk about their baby. So it's like an internal tool as much as an external tool. You're spot on. Like if you, if the CEO doesn't have enough time to sit down and write blog posts, under their name, which is likely the case because they're extremely busy. The best way is to just have your, the person running the podcast, go talk to them for 30 minutes and capture that on audio. And then they, then you now have a ghost written article underneath your CEO's name right there. Plus a podcast episode. So you can, you have a, you have articles coming out plus the podcast and it's, it's just a great way, easier way to capture content from the team as well. Like you said, Big time. You mentioned there is episode description and that's how you got your start. There is, there is value in that. There is also uncertainty of like how many people read that, or I guess you can track the clicks and stuff like that. But what are the best call to actions that you've seen? Or maybe there's some good examples of, of how to maximize the chances that someone's going to recall that episode and take some type of action, maybe not now, but in the future taking it from a, from one medium into a different medium, like what's that kind of trans transition that you've seen work really well? It's tough, but most podcasters spend their call to actions saying too many things and, and too many things that don't necessarily move the needle to be honest. So most podcasts you listen to, you'll likely hear them say like, please rate and review us which is a fine call to action for social proof, but not for really meaningfully driving Mm -hmm. results for increasing the listenership and and things like that. So, but what I would do is if you're going to, if you're going to sort of have a call to action, like rate and review or some other unique thing, do it so that it can create engagement. So like, Hey, leave a review, tweet me the review and we're going to send you something if you do that. Like, and create sort of a, even if only three people do it, you can start capturing that, screenshotting it and sharing it and like promoting that people are writing about your podcast and care about it and just use that as sort of a marketing tool versus, you know, just the generic, hey, go rate and review and then like just leave it at that or go to the URL and fill out, you know, fill out our form or download the thing. That's cool, but literally hand-to-hand combat, honestly, I think is really, really cool. Like, hey, if you uh, tweet, tweet us something or you um, send me an email with this, I'll do this. The thing with podcasting, it's you don't really have that sort of, I can reach my listeners via any other medium but podcasting. So if you start calling on people to do that one-on-one or one-to-one with you, you can use it as uh, social proof in any other sort of channel you want. And then also just start get, gathering intel from people that listen to the podcast, which is really valuable as well. I, I think people have tried and, and still do, you know, create all these sort of unique URLs 
and, and things like that. Um, those are those can work, but it ends up just becoming quite laborious to maintain all these URLs. Like if any copy or positioning of your company changes, you now have like 20 podcast URLs you need to go update and things like that. So really the best thing, honestly, is to just be human and like try to try to have the best sort of episode or interview you can and, and then leave a very human call to action. Like literally tweet me at Eric Bison, like with you listening, with a screenshot of Stuart's podcast, you listening to it. And if you do, like I'll, I'll send you a podcast mic or something like that. Now, I'm not saying I'll necessarily do that now, but hey, if you do, maybe, maybe I will. I don't know. We'll find out. So do it. Let's see. But that's kind of the thing I'm talking about there is like sort of create a fun, a fun moment, basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think it's what's unique too about this is if you only listen to people through audio, you kind of imagine what they look like, but you don't, you might not ever see a video of them. So if you get to know someone so well, but you never actually see their face and then all of a sudden you engage with them and they reply, that's just such a higher level of trust. It's very easy to listen to hours of someone's voice. And that's, and that's an absurd amount of exposure to content and personality that no other medium can really get. Like that's, if you listen to a half an hour podcast, that is probably hundreds of thousands of Instagram impressions worth of time. I, I, I would love to do sort of a deep dive analysis on that very issue. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like what, what is the, what is one podcast listen, dedicated podcast listener equal in email subscribers, for example? Is it one podcast listener equals 10 email subscribers or, you know, what that sort, what these sort of ratios are across other mediums. I think that's a really interesting analysis and, and you're right. I mean, they're an email subscriber, 20% uh, open rate. And then when they do open, you might have their attention for five seconds. Yeah. Um, and like we so. said, it's not always about the action that results is also about reminding them you exist in their mind if it's the right time for them to buy or take action or do whatever you need them to do so be it but if not a meaningful interaction and a listen is just moving them further into your into your atmosphere yep totally that'd be a cool study i i hope you are able to start getting that together that'd be very yeah. interesting and that'd be a big selling point to kind of compare apples to oranges in a, in, a, in one way Moving on to monetization and maybe less from a business having a podcast stance, but maybe more from an individual podcaster trying to turn it into a business. Yep. Can you give some examples of some unique business models that you've seen either built on top of a podcast or with podcasts as kind of a complementary generation station that like really accelerates the business? I don't love the advertising model for, for podcasters thinking about that as their core business model, you know, for a podcaster trying to earn a living with a podcast or have a podcast business. That is not to say that there is no money there. There's it's actually the reverse. There's a lot of money there, but it, it, it only starts becoming meaningful at pretty significant listenership numbers. And they're very, they are achievable and many po podcasters get there. But I think a better place to start is building a smaller group that cares enough about you to pay some sort of monthly 
uh, recurring cost to listen to your podcast. And I'll give an example. This is a model that I think is getting more pop- popular right now. And there's a couple platforms that are facilitating it. One is called Supercast, supercast.com. The other one is called Glow, glow.fm. And think about these as what Patreon is. So Patreon is available for to be used in a ton of different ways. But basically, creators are giving some whatever their art is to people who care about it enough to pay for it every month. And Glow and Supercast have taken that model and, and it's specifically used for podcasting. So you can sign up as a podcaster to either of those platforms and they will help you charge five or 10 or 20 bucks a month for listeners to get your private podcast. And um, Dave Gerhart is the former CMO of a company called Drift. And he, uh, he's now at a company called Privy, but he has started a private podcast uh, called The A-List. And it's a, it's a marketing podcast where he, talk, he does a couple episodes, solo episodes per week for 10 bucks a month. And I believe he's at, over the last two months of launching this, he's at like 750 paying members right now. So he's closing in on 10, 10 grand a month MRR um, from this private podcast. And it's only 750 listeners compared to the numbers you need to get that same level of income from advertisers, you're talking, you know, at least 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 listeners per episode to start getting into that same ballpark. So that's a really interesting thing I'm paying attention to right now is these private paid podcasts for, for podcasters. Yeah, I, I am one of the people who pay him $10. <laughs> and two cool things that he's done recently that I, I'm glad you brought that specific use case up. Firstly, it started off with 10 and $30 a month. And the $10 was just the private podcast. And the $30 was private podcast plus a direct blog that was a lot more raw and like you'd share way more kind of uh, up to the minute insights rather than kind of like sculpted insights. So that I, I signed up for that originally just to see what it was like. And it was, it was great. It was for sure worth it. And then last week he said, you know what? I'm axing the $30. I'm opening up everything to $10. So now at $10, you get the podcast and the, the blog. So that's the first thing. He was just like, look, I just want to get this to as many people. And I want to make sure that I'm providing like the value. And then the second thing is, like you're saying, it's just one-on-one. It's just it's him on the podcast, but it's, I wouldn't even call these podcasts. This is literally living in Dave's life. He's walking down the street, speaking into his iPhone. You can hear cars passing. You can hear uh, ambulances going and jackhammers in the distance. You can hear his kid letting out a squeal. Like it's literally him. Oh, I've got an idea. Pulls out his phone, records it and immediately uploads it. Like there's no intro music. There's nothing. So imagine Imagine five years ago if someone told you, Eric, <laughs> so people are going to be paying $10 a month just to hear someone's like bathroom thoughts. <laughs> and it's just getting started. It exactly. is just getting started. This is, we are going to be, a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far to say is we're going to be an audio first sort of country over the next 10, 15 years, but I think we could be. And if that's the case, the way we're going to be connecting with folks is, is going to be a similar fashion as Dave is executing right now, which is we want to be connected to influencers or people that we 
look up to or want their advice from and, and they can deliver it via audio in our ears on demand in real time, in real life, the same way Dave is. So mm-hmm. I think he's sort of at the cutting edge of this. And, and I'm gonna, I think that this is a really interesting model for podcasters to make, you know, maybe it's not the same level that Dave got to as quickly as he did, but some, some meaningful and non-trivial money from a podcast. Whereas most podcasters don't, I mean, it's a labor of love. They just love it and they're not Mm -hmm. making much or anything from it. And I think that this could work for a lot of folks. I see, I see that model working really well with live too, because we've all of a sudden got a, a fascination with live video, but imagine now it was as simple as jumping on a phone call with your favorite host but everyone else can listen in, but they can't speak, right? So it's like a live podcast recording. And for $5 for five minutes, you get to just like have a one-on-one conversation with this person in their earbud as they wait for their plane. And they're making money while doing that. Like that's found time for both the listeners and now the, rec- the podcast recorder, they can make money in their in-between time. That's amazing. And kind of what you just described there is like an audio social network almost, mm-hmm. which is like, hey, whoever has their AirPods in right now, I'm about to go live. And like a lot of people at that point, yeah. whenever this, there's like that tipping point where there's enough people on audio to make that work, there's going to be some serendipity of people. Oh yeah, I'm at the bus stop too. Or I'm like, you know, I'm walking the dog. Yeah, I'll plug in right now, you know? And I definitely could see that happening in the future. Yeah, big time. What are some other advancements in the technology or maybe even the market that you're paying close attention to? private internal podcasting for teams. I think that this is this is obviously not for a marketing and sales purpose, although it is an internal marketing tool, which I do think is actually equally as important. This is something that a lot of big companies are using today, but we don't know the full scope of it because inherently it's private. Like nobody is publicizing that hey, our team of our team at Netflix have a internal podcast that the whole team gets to listen to. Shopify does this, for example, and the CEO said it's one of the best things they've ever done. The Spotify CEO said that they started an internal podcast and the team is loving it. So this is something that uh, we've started offering as well, which is helping teams put these together. I think attracting and retaining top talent over the next decade is going to be more of a pressing and urgent issue than it's ever been. And keeping the team aligned with a, a podcast in all the different use cases you could do internally. So it could be leadership, just sort of letting everybody know what's going on and getting everybody excited about the future. But it could also be on, uh, an onboarding series for, for new employees. It could be teams talking to other teams. So like, hey, let's go check out what, like this month we went and checked out what this group's doing and like make it fun and engaging. Um, and the technology for that is finally to a point where It doesn't have to be distributed via like an audio file on the company intranet, which is just an atrocious way to do this. But actually there are technology platforms that allow you to download their app and it it, it serves just like a podcast app. So you can listen to these the same way you would a podcast. So it's consumed and the use case is exactly the same, but it is tied to company email addresses. So it's private and secure. So if a team member ever leaves, you can restrict that email address and they no longer have access to it. So storyboard, trystoryboard.com, I believe is the URL. 
no affiliation, just that I know that that is one of the platforms. U Studio is another one. And these are finally sort of like the technology is available now for teams to be able to do this. And I'll mention one last thing about this, which is it doesn't just have to be internal and private. Netflix has created one of these that is called We Are Netflix. And it is available for anybody to listen to, but the whole entire content of that podcast is what is it, what it is like to work at Netflix. And so they go to the people that made Stranger Things and they're like, hey, what was it like to make this? Or they go to the person in the back office and what, what's your life like at Netflix? And the, the HR team said it's the number one source of top talent coming to their team now is through this podcast. And, and so anyway, I think that that's a really interesting use case for podcasting that is going to be a massive opportunity and, and, and availability for brands to use in the future. That's kind of under the radar right now. I noticed on Disney plus, I was just flipping through and there was a life at Disney show. Like, so they, yes. you're paying, you're paying for a subscription where they can feed you uh, recruitment material. <laughs> That's all it is. Yes. It was yes. showing just like goofy people in the Disney office. Of course they're, they're, yep. they're romanticizing it and showing the, the jobs that are cool. But imagine being a 13 year old and watching that and being like, I'm going to grow up to be an animator. Like that is a long play for them. hundred percent. And videos work well for that too. But podcasting hasn't seen a ton of that yet. And I think that mm. it's a really good way to do that. You know, there's just so much competition for, for talent that like somebody getting a deep dive 30 minutes on what it's like, listen, what it's like working at your company uh, while they're walking their dog could be enough to move the needle on them making the decision. All mm. right, I'll take a little bit less salary because this place just seems amazing. And so that's kind of one thing that's been on my mind lately. All right. Last question. A lot of good stuff in here. So I, I, I'm going to have to cut it off so we don't just keep talking. <laughs> I know we can talk forever. <laughs> um, so we're midway through March right now, March 12th. And a tweet you had from a couple of days ago, you said, we've been spending the last few months at Be My Guest, getting ready for what's happening next Monday. So in four days, it's going to be fun and we'll be the foundation for what we build over the next 10 plus years. What a cliffhanger. <laughs> what a cliffhanger tweet. Can you spill the beans a little? What have you been working on and, and what does 10 years look like out for you? Yeah. So for us, we started, as we mentioned earlier, as like this podcast tour company, very specific service. It was the only thing we offered. How we're thinking about what our company is over the next 10 plus years is just a, is a podcast company. So a podcast agency or just a podcast company. So if you're a brand that needs to grow and has used podcasting a little bit or hasn't and thinks you should, there's a lot, like we've talked about today, there's a lot of different channels or ways you could go about it. And not everyone is the most ideal depending on your situation. And what we're trying to build towards is being the place that can guide brands in the right direction for them, whether it's podcast advertising or a podcast tour or branded production or internal production, all of these different things, and then being able to execute that for them with service, but also with technology. 
And, uh, and that's ultimately what we're building towards. We want to be as a, a very premier podcast company that can, that can help brands really level up using podcasting, but also be sort of a leader in pushing the whole ecosystem and industry forward. And uh, I don't want to sort of have too grandiose of statements with that, but like, we just love, we just honestly just love podcasting and we want to have a deeper offering and uh, we've really built up what we believe is like an expert practitionership over the last four years. And, and that's what we're excited about. So I, I will mention, I, I can mention what, what Monday is Monday. We we've decided to rebrand the company. Um, so Monday is a rebrand and, and we're rebranding, we're changing the name and we are, uh, have a whole fresh website and offerings and things like that. And so that's, we hired a head of marketing a few months ago and that's, that was the first thing that he was tasked with, which is uh, helping us put that together. Amazing. So every time I said, be my guest to this episode, <laughs> I don't think I can go back and scrub them. That's the, it. we'll put it in the show notes or something. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So yeah, they'll definitely, they'll definitely, they'll definitely, yeah, so. there'll be a link in the show notes so you can actually go see what Eric's new name is. Super exciting. That's amazing. I'm pumped to see that. And that's a huge task for your marketer to have as his first thing. Yeah. And the teaser is it's a bold, it's a bold name. I won't share the name. So you'll have to go check out the name, but, but it's a bold name that a lot of people in my family thought I was crazy for. So I'll tease you with that. If you want to go check it out. Right on. Perfect. I'll definitely include the link once uh, you launch that. So everyone can go check it out. Amazing, Eric. Thanks so much for taking the time. This has been a really awesome uh, conversation. I think there was a ton I'm going to take away from this. And I think a lot of people are going to be able to uh, really take action on some of the stuff you've mentioned today. Thanks for having me, Stuart, man. Yeah, I, I think we should cut it off because people on my team too say the same thing. Like if we don't stop now, we're just going to go for the next like three hours. So no worries. Cheers, man. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email, you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. 
I also share some real life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.